the scripture reading in Psalm 31, verses 1 through 18. I'll read it for us as we worship God. Verse 1, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love. Because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame. For I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Last week, we heard from Psalm 32 how David was wasting away and groaning because of the guilt of his sin. Today, same David, Psalm 31, shame the shame of sin is wrecking David. Sin always brings both guilt and shame. Guilt is the legal, objective status before a perfect and holy God for every sinner. You are guilty whether your conscience signals it or not, whether you feel it or not today. Because the Bible declares all have sinned, all, 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 without exception. We are professional sinners apart from what God does in your life. By sin, I mean just take that middle letter of S-I-N. It's because you center the I. You live for the I. You live for the I or for something else or someone else but God, your maker. That is sin. Therefore, we are declared and rendered Guilty. Now, shame, more often than not, is inescapably felt. You might say it's a little more subjective, more emotional, it's more social. But here in this psalm, he is 
suffering under the wide open, persistent, social humiliation, rejection, conspiracy, and hatred of other people. This psalmist in 31 suffered from legitimate guilt and shame of his own sin. Look at verse 10. Verse 10. For my life is spent with sorrow. My years, uh, this is going on for years, with sighing. My strength fails. Why? Because of my iniquity. My friends, there's just so many things. Psychiatrists and medical doctors and counselors and therapists cannot even begin to diagnose, let alone remedy. This is because of my sin, my iniquity. We heard last week from Pastor Owen, a dear friend, how David was called out and convicted as a cheating husband. He committed adultery against his wife, indeed. And, but then on top of that, he committed rape. <clears throat> it was not just adultery. He committed rape with his, all of his power and privilege against a righteous moral woman by the name of Bathsheba. David suffered for that. He suffered because he was a weak and incompetent, failing king. We read about it here in Psalm 31. Conspiracies. People are trying to dethrone him. They seek an advantage. He has an opening. Let's go after him. Let's bring our own royalty about. And most of all, uh, David would never win the Father of the Year award. I don't think Father's Day was celebrated for him at all. Because the conspiracies to dethrone David was led by his own son, Absalom. His own son hated David, his father. David suffered from legitimate guilt and shame that was brought about by his sins. But also in this psalm, David suffered illegitimate shame. Illegitimate shame. Look at verse 18. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. David suffered on because of false accusations. Like real out there conspiracy theories. Lies were said about him. But in all of this, legitimate or illegitimate, the crushing heavy guilt and weight of sin, and then the social shame in his own conscience and in his own family. Even in all of that, David turned to the Lord. He turned to the Lord again and again and again and again. Verse 1, he turned to the Lord to take refuge. Verse 5, into your hand I commit my spirit. Verse 14, I trust in you, O Lord. Verse 17, I call and cry out to you, O Lord. While the Western world, yes, in my seminary education, much of it focuses upon this legal, objective, individual guilt, I am held accountable before a holy God. But the majority of the world actually functions under a honor and shame dynamic. We are not just only individually accountable before God, but we are socially and communally accountable to one another who are all made in the image of God. And yes, here in this Psalm 31, throughout all of Old Testament literature, and Apostle Paul himself in New Testament literature, when he addresses the first century Greco-Roman culture, they often deal with shame more than guilt. 
They deal with shame more than guilt. I just got two parts as we, to guide you along here. The symptoms of shame. Second, refuge from shame. Two parts, okay? Symptoms and then the refuge. Here's the symptoms. Just a couple here. First, it, it is destructive. It brings destruction. Look at verse 9 and 10 again of our psalm. Verses 9 and 10. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. This is destruction for body and soul, physical and spiritual, psychological and emotional. Private, when he is alone, he is sighing and grieving and crying. And then when he goes out in public, People are speaking evil of him like all the time. And it is prolonged, prolonged for years. Like it's a season, a long painful season. A symptom of shame. It brings destruction, physical and spiritual. Dr. Brené Brown in a book entitled Daring Greatly, she defines shame as, I am not worthy or good enough for love Belonging or connection, I'm unlovable, I do not belong. In Dr. Brenny Brown's research, guilt can be a positive and helpful motivation for change, while shame rarely produces healthy outcomes. See, guilt says you did wrong, you done wrong, you committed a sin, you are Sinful. That's guilt. Shame says, you are so wrong, you can never be made right. Shame says, you are so wrong, no one can ever love you. You can never be accepted again. Shame is this haunting, devastating spiral where you cannot believe or ever feel that someone else could really love you and you could really belong ever again. And nobody survives that spiral too long. A shame spiral. No one, no one survives it without hating and hurting yourself, without disorders, without depression, without sleepless nights, or without hating and hurting others. Do you guys ever wonder, like me, why you fly off the handle and you lost it that last time? Like it was a really small incident. Objectively, you reflect on upon it later. Harold, that was really not a big deal, but my goodness, why was your response so disproportionate and over the top? Let me suggest to you, it has something to do with shame. It has something to do with shame. And that Netflix drama, I admit to you, I did not watch it all yet. Entitled Beef, begins with a road rage incident between a failing contractor, Danny, who collides or almost collides with a self-made, all-put-together entrepreneur by the name of Amy. And underneath Amy's picturesque life, which you would figure people are envying and trying to keep up with her, there are layers and loads and loads and loads of immigrant trauma, Repression, rage, and all kinds of unresolved things. 
And I remember one particular scene, Googled it, for exactly when a witch, like a witch appears to tell young Amy this. I can't tell anyone your secrets because no one would love you. Can't tell anyone your secrets because no one would love you. That's a pretty good depiction of shame. You see, my friends, this morning, if someone knew really everything about you, all of it, do you believe anyone would love you? Do you love you? Let alone could God love you? A symptom of shame. It brings destruction. Oh, look at verses 11 through 13. What the psalmist continues to go through. Because of all my adversaries, I become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. Yes, maybe they're speaking legitimate shame, but also illegitimate, undeserved shame. This man is constantly being gossiped and slandered about. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. This is public shaming. Public shaming. You don't just need the figure of a witch to tell you that if anyone knew everything about you, no one could ever love you. But this is now in public. In wide open Public spaces, online, they are piling on and telling you, you are so, so unworthy. Public shaming. Public shaming. What you say can be used against you, right? That's a right, huh? You are read your rights. What you say can be used against you. Oh, it's more prevalent and dangerous than, I don't think, than ever before. Anything you might have said or been recorded of doing can be used against you. It can threaten your job, threaten your relationships, threaten your vocation, threaten your reputation. Maybe rob you of the very reason for living. A primary sign or symptom of shame is that it is utterly debilitating and destructive for body and soul. Here's a second symptom. Shame drives you into hiding. Hiding. Once upon a time, God walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> All you ever wanted or needed. All that your human body and soul ever wanted or needed was met in that garden because God was walking with you. It was unbroken. And they were unashamed. It sounds like a fairy tale, but that is the origins of humanity. Until Adam and Eve decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 3. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not about if you ate of it that you would gain a knowledge between good and evil. But it was the location at which Adam and Eve were to judge and choose good over evil. Namely, will you trust what God says is altogether pure and good? 
versus anything or what anyone else would say that is contrary to what God says is evil. Or will you turn around and trust in your own reasoning, your own mental capacities, your own sophistication? I live in 2023 now. Come on. Are you going to trust in your own judgment and the serpent really behind it to determine good versus evil? And this is how sin works every time. And this is what brought about the fall and wreckage to everything. Let me say that again. When you and I judge and choose our own opinion, our own intuition, and our own instincts as to what is good. But what you determine is good is contradictory to what God said is good. That, in essence, will always bring wreckage. It is destructive. And then it will also make you hide. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. After they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Oh, that first verse is idyllic. That first verse is romantic. That first verse is perfection. That first verse is what we ought to have enjoyed. They were walking with God in the cool of the day. It wasn't even hot. But now after they took of the tree and they had sinned because they trusted themselves more than God and acted upon it. Now, and the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. For the first time, Adam and Eve were self-conscious. For the first time, they were so afraid and scared. For the first time, rather than run into the arms of God, they ran away from God. They hid from God because of shame. Hide and go seek. Remember that game? Well, the shame game is hide and please do not seek. Hide and do not seek me. Don't find me. Two pretty common ways that which people hide. Um, first is obvious. You can just cut off, isolate, right? Just cut off contacts. Cut off social contacts. Uh, move cities. Isolate yourself. You are very, very protective about filtering information. And you are really all about keeping private and secret. You know, I know as one of your pastors... That among the Asian American community, I find it almost, I mean, this is like almost a scientific, it's just scientific, it's just, it's, it's always proven to be true. People would rather switch jobs, addresses, cities, and even churches, rather than having to identify and deal with shame. And shame is a, a real effective killer. It, it, it's just, you know, it's one thing to sin and fall into something, and as we all do, but the shame which clouds and just completely puts a cloud over that, and you start hiding and cutting off all contacts, it's, it, it's, it's, it's all the more devastating because it allows whatever thing you're going through to remain in the dark, to remain quiet. 
Your worst sins are the sins that no one knows about. Your family strife is the strife that no one really knows about. Your addiction or your financial crisis is the thing that no one knows about. And what shame does is it makes you hide. You run for cover. And no one should know about it. Another way people hide is by camouflage. Camouflage. Robin Stockett on the theology of shame. Here's what he observed. For some, it is camouflaged by an excess of pious spirituality. For others, by resignation. We go to extraordinary lengths to run away from this disease of the soul by denying it is there, by refusing to stop, by filling every corner of our lives with busyness. Parentheses, I put that there, work, family, and parenting. Right? You're always just so busy as a parent. Ministry, hoping that the dread feeling will simply drift away and disappear. Oh, the destructiveness of shame and how it drives you into hiding by cutting off all contacts or camouflaging it under all a flurry of even religious activities, over-involvement, piety, or maybe just resignation and giving up. Couple symptoms. Oh. But now the refuge and how we need it. The psalmist drives us to a refuge. Here's what you and I can do with shame. Like the psalmist, he does not pretend. He does not repress. He does not hide. He does not camouflage it. But he openly prays his shame to God. You and I must learn to take and articulate and even specify and detail all the feelings and experiences of shame that you and I must be going through, not only to a counselor, not only to a friend or a small group, which is enormously helpful, but you ought to take all that shame and turn it into prayer. Turn it into prayer or that shame turns into something worse. Yesterday, I attended the funeral of our dear brother, Yunje, his mom, who lost his mom, grieving with him, but also hoping with him because she was obviously a believer. His older brother, Song, was there. I don't know if he's here today. He's my older brother. I grew up with a cow. They showed a video memorial of his mom, who was a nurse, who spent much of her life, it looks like, caring for people, for the military, and she was an outstanding cook. But man, this pastor completely lost it that on the video presentation, when Mrs. He Park sang a hymn, and she was singing this song, which I know the lyrics to. It's a little striking to me today, as second generation as I am, some of the most indelible, stirring, powerful, unforgettable, fervent spiritual memories I have is in another language. And as she was singing this hymn, I could not help but be flooded and stirred to how much we all need to bring anything and everything you are going through to God in prayer. Listen, there is nothing you could experience in the entire range of life that hasn't been expressed or prayed in the Psalms. 
go try it. I dare you. There is nothing you could ever go through that the Psalms haven't already expressed in prayers before God. And in praying, my friends, not hiding, not just letting it destroy you, not camouflaging, not cutting off, not repressing, not overcompensating, but to take your shame and turn it into a prayer before God. When you do that, God hears you. God so cares for you. God is moved by you in your shame. And he will provide refuge. He provided refuge for David. And today, God will provide refuge in ways better and far superior than David could have imagined. Than he ever could have imagined. What do I mean by this? You see, God's own son, Jesus Christ, he became fully human. Fully human. And he came down to experience and pray every word of this psalm. Jesus was stripped naked. Jesus could hold on to no secrets. Jesus was humiliated. People ridiculed, spat upon him. He was derided in public. The gospel author Luke in chapter 23, here's what he records while Jesus was hanging upon the cross. Luke 23. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Jesus Christ was publicly mocked for being a megalomaniac, for being a fraud, for being a liar. For making the claim that was so offensive and blasphemous in their time that he is actually equal with God. And yet here he is suffering in the most ugly fashion. Hanging there upon a cross. This is all the public shame. And by verse 46, however, as Jesus was about to meet his own death. In verse 46 of Luke 23. Do you know what Jesus said? He says the exact words of verse 5 of Psalm 31. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands, O Lord, I commit my spirit. Now listen. Uh, <laughs> all that shaming, all that suffering was 100% illegitimate and undeserved for Jesus. Not one piece of it was deserved because Jesus was blameless. So Jesus actually suffered much more shame than you. 
Jesus came down to absorb and experience much more shame than you and I ever really could. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he go through things that he would never actually deserve? It's because he was publicly crucified to take all the shame from you. Jesus suffered much more shame than you because he wants to take and absorb all the shame from you. He took it into his body. He took it into his soul. He took it into his heart. His heart bled out. Why? So that he could become your refuge. And this is the answer to Psalm 31 that David could have never imagined. Oh Lord, oh Lord, be my refuge, be my rock, be my fortress. Oh, okay. God would send his own son, Jesus Christ, and in his broken body, but upon the third day when he rose again, Jesus now becomes the refuge for anyone who suffers from shame. Because when God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, not only to absorb and take all the sin and the shames of the world, he raised him to publicly declare and cancel and put all shame to death. No accusation, no condemnation, legitimate or illegitimate, can stand against anyone who finds refuge in Jesus Christ. There is no one here who will ever be put to shame ever again if Jesus Christ is your refuge. Jesus Christ gives you whole cover. Jesus Christ gives you complete protection. Jesus Christ is the strongest, safest, lasting fortress you can ever find yourself in. Because when Jesus died and rose again, he conquered every accuser, the chief accuser himself, Satan, all of the enemies, all of the world, your own conscience, your own heart, people you grew up with, all of it, none of it will really matter because the refuge of Jesus is unassailable. It's foolproof. You are bound and covered by the broken, crucified body of Jesus and the cleansing blood of Jesus, and he covers you whole. This is what you must learn to do with shame, my friends. You must learn to pray it. You must learn to pray anything you're going through because the Psalms will pray anything you ever went through. And you must seek refuge in the Lord God that David cried out to. He didn't know quite what God would do. But you must do verse 17. You know it's Jesus. You call upon the name of Jesus now. Look at verse 17 as you call upon the Lord. Oh Lord, let me not be put to shame. For I call upon you. I call upon you. The gospel. Gospel. Man, I'm here for a gospel. The church is here to declare and show a gospel. Something the world cannot fathom. You can never purchase. The gospel is you get what Jesus should get. And Jesus gets what you should get. When you call upon the name of Jesus, for he is risen Lord and Savior, you get what Jesus should get. And Jesus gets what you should get. Look at the second half of this verse, because this is what Jesus 
will do for you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Find refuge. Seek coverage in Jesus. And he's going to line up all his enemies one day. And not only put them to shame. But oh, go and research the scriptures. He's actually going to trot out his own children. Anyone who's called upon him. Anyone who's trusted in him. Anyone who's found refuge in him. And do you know that Jesus is not only going to shame all the enemies of the gospel. But he's going to honor and exalt his own in front of the enemies. In the presence of all the angels. And even before God the Father. The gospel is give Jesus when you call upon him. All your sin and shame. And he will bestow upon you all his righteousness and honor. All his righteousness and honor. This is why in Romans chapter 6 verse 4 it reads this. Apostle Paul, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. This is when you call on Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Commit into his hand your body and soul. Live for Jesus. Then what God does is he views you, declares you, and treats you as if you already died. You already died for all your sins, but you didn't die. Jesus died for you. So you're buried, therefore, with Jesus by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised... From the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Here's how you know that the symptoms of shame are waning, but newness of life is growing. Here's how you know. So what? How do you know that you're walking in the newness of life? How would you know you're walking in the newness of life? Number one, stop running and hiding. Because Jesus came running after you. Stop being so protective and secretive and isolated and weird. Stop going off into this dark, dark corner, isolation for like months. Because Jesus was open and exposed for you. If you know you have sinned, hey, my friend, do you know you don't have to keep beating yourself down for that? Do you know you don't have to keep hating yourself for that? Do you know you don't have to shame yourself for that? Do you know you don't really have to feel like you could never belong or never be loved or accepted for that? Because your Jesus Christ was beaten down and shamed to death. All your sin is forgiven. And because Jesus was disgraced, because Jesus was put up an open, humiliating spectacle to honor you, my friends, there is coming a day, oh, there is coming a day for the sons and daughters of God where you will stand in the most loftiest, exalted, glorious place. And you will have the smile of Jesus, your brother, the pleasure of God, the Father, and it won't stop. That's why you can love God now. And hate your sin. Look at the last two verses of Psalm 31 as we close here. Love the Lord, all you his saints. Plural. Hey, that's plural. We got to do this together. Love the Lord. Hate your sin. Your sin is forgiven. Openly confess your sin. Don't hide your sin. Don't secretize your sin. Don't privatize your sin. Stop filtering your sin because of shame. 
openly confess, forgiven, forsake, love the Lord. Let's do it all together. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Oh, church, that's why you have one another. That's why I need you. That's why you need one another. So that when people come to you loaded and wrecked by shame, you would offer refuge, not more damage. That CCSE would be known as a place of refuge because of the gospel, not we would add to the wreckage. I remember my dear friend Roy, who is now a counselor. He showed up in a, a group therapy moment, and he was talking about the painfulness, the, how personal it is to be betrayed by his then wife, and the marriage has fallen apart. He was talking about it in a group, and there was some awkward silence, and that's okay. All churches have to learn through awkward silence. But then the leader of that group leaned in to say to Roy, I hear all your shame and pain, and it makes me want more of you. I hear all this shame and pain, but it makes me want more of you. Roy said that was virtually the opposite of most everything he had heard and felt growing up. And I'm here to tell you, dear friends, Jesus always wants more and more of you. Never less. Jesus came all the way down to run and seek and save and become a refuge for you especially when you are in sin and shame, not in spite of it. Jesus wants more of you, never less. Would you come to him with me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, lead us in this prayer of Psalm 31. Please turn our hearts from pride, pretense, Hiding, camouflage, isolation, self-medication. Turn us to you. May we call on the name of Jesus. May we cry out the only one who can save sinners from their shame. And Jesus, may you cover and hide us now that my life would be hidden with God, with Christ on high as we sing, that you would so hide and protect us now fully that we would never be put to shame again. For it is in you we lift up our heads. It is in you we walk in newness of life. It is in you we forsake and hate our sin, but we would love and want to follow you together. Hear us this day as we respond in song and prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.